This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that shouldn't have. This is Cherry Agarwal and on the panel we have Amrita Nayak Datta, special correspondent for The Print. Hi Amrita. Hi, this is Amrita from The Print and I'm here very excited about the podcast and Cherry invited me <laughs> yesterday and I was all up for it. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, over the phone joining us is EPW's Tejas Harad. Tejas has written pieces for The Wire, for News Laundry and for several other publications. Hi Tejas, welcome to Reporters. Uh, hello, hi Cherry. Hello everybody. And we also have Ayush. This is his second podcast. Welcome, Ayush. Hi. How is Delhi's winter treating you? Not too well, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. So, as is customary, let's kick off with what made news for the media and what didn't get as much attention. Ayush, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, <laughs> what? Let's talk about what was underreported. Sure. So, I think there was a. I think Greater Kashmir carried hmm. a piece where. They said, based on some interview that Nidhi Razdan did with the Norwegian ambassador, mm-hmm. they said that the no- Norway, the, obviously the prime minister who's on a visit to India, has offered to mediate between India and Pakistan. And okay. it was a, sounded pretty bizarre. But why is Norway going to be the intermediator? They, they're not. They turned out to be false because the ambassador just issued a note saying ki it's not happening. That was but misinterpreted by Greater Kashmir. Okay. But I think it was something that we sh- even we should have uh, mm. caught on, but we didn't. But okay. perhaps today we can. Interesting. Uh, Amrita, what do you think was underreported? Or is there anything that, uh, any events in the media that caught your attention? Uh, I think the Science Congress, the bizarre comments over there. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and it was very yeah, interesting so, to see. Yeah. So it was reported in, uh, you know, in different segments, including we also reported it. Mm. But I think the other medium, you know, uh, other channels and, you know, the television channels and uh, even radio, they did not report about it in as much detail, you know, something because, as bizarre. Yeah, yeah, true. I agree. I mean, uh, I remember the controversy that erupted when Biplab Dev uh, made a comment. And this time I did not hear as much about the Science Congress. That's what. And Biplab Dev was just like one of the comments. Um, but I feel that uh, Science Congress is, um, I understood it to be a prestigious event. Hmm. So <laughs> there was all the more reason for it to be reported widely and True. just to show that what are the kind of people that we actually... I mean, if at a science congress event, people are talking about things that have scientifically been proven to be wrong. That's right. So it's Test tube babies and all. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, those I think deserved a much, much bigger I mean, attention. Just I mean, commentary or editorial about scientific temperament of the country. I think it's going f- over the last few years. It's just a progression from one discipline to another. I think... With the, when the Indian Historical Council, I think what, that's what it's called, mm. the head they appointed in 2014 was a person who had published just one paper mm. and that paper argued that Ram is an actual historical figure, something like that. If that person like that can invade the, you know, the almost sacrosanct space of history in, in the Indian social sciences, mm. I mean, it, it, has, it had to uh, catch up with sure. the sciences too and that has just happened. Uh, Tejas, what do you think happened in the media? Is there something that caught your eye that you want to bring up here? 
Yeah, so the Sohrabit Puddin Sheikh case uh, judgment came in mm-hmm. and I think that was not reported as much as it should have been because uh, it's an important case. The the key takeaway from, from the case was that Amit Shah was uh, given a clean sheet even though he was not one of the accused. Mm-hmm. So the judge did not, you know, have to like go that, you know, take that extra step to uh, give a clean sheet to Amit Shah. But so that should have been reported on, like why, why did the judge feel the need mm-hmm. to uh, do that? And also like if there have been like three encounters, Hmm. Somebody has to be who uh, held responsible for it. There has to be accountability. But there has been there have been no convictions in the last 13, hmm. 14 years. And so when, that that uh, so there when, should have been more reporting on the final developments, on the latest developments yeah. that have come in. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So media did not ask any questions like how how the investigation was carried out, why there were no convictions, hmm. why Amit Shah's name was mentioned at all when he was not an accused in the hmm. case. Hmm. Uh, I saw a couple of interesting things over the last week. Uh, one, but let me first begin with what was I what I thought was underreported. So yesterday, a joint parliamentary committee, which was examining the citizenship bill, uh, citizenship bill tabled it in the parliament, uh, and the redrafted citizenship amendment bill, which seeks to provide citizenship to non-Muslims from Bangladesh, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, was cleared by the union cabinet, and it is supposed to be tabled uh, today in the Lok Sabha. Today is January eighth. Uh, protesting this bill uh, and the report that was being tabled, there was a nude protest held not only in Assam but also near the Parliament House. So it was interesting that until yesterday until yesterday night, apart from Northeast News, no one else picked that up. And I was wondering how did that happen? So I was looking, going through the different websites and I saw around 8 o'clock scroll India Today and Outlook. Three or four of them picked it up. But not many others mentioned this sort of protest. I mean, a nude protest in a democracy is a big deal. Like the last time it happened, this a nude protest happened against AFSPA. So I thought that was underreported, why the media did not pay attention. And even I find the media paying little attention to the citizenship bill. It's being covered. It's definitely being covered. But I think a more comprehensive reportage would sort of give a voice to the protest that is happening. Another interesting thing that I saw was Republic's debate on jute politics, where Arnab Goswami is taking on BJP spokesperson Sudhan Shutravedi. And it was it was surprising to see uh, Arnab uh, call out BJP's fake, uh, how BJP is just going out uh, spreading lies and fake news. He called out Sudhan Chutravedi about the law and order situation in Uttar Pradesh and a still of a Bhojpuri movie being used as a video about the uh, law and order situation in West Bengal. So that was interesting. Uh, yeah, so sure. May, may I add, I don't really find that surprising actually. Okay. I think it's not that surprising that he did criticize the spokesperson because from time to time just to have the pretense of being even-handedness, he does that. The point, the surprising bit will be when he criticizes BJP and brings Modi into it. Because from as far as we know, even from what the, what happened at ABP, the instruction to most of these media houses is that you are free to criticize BJP but not take Modi's name. So probably when he does that, it'll be a It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Tejas, uh, what... Uh, the government recently announced that it will offer 10% reservation to 
the general category, economically backward class in the general category. So I wanted to know your thoughts about that. Uh, that decision is interesting uh, for two reasons. Like one, what, uh, why, why did government come up with it right now? You know, just four months before the Lok Sabha elections. And the second question is, will it stand judicial scrutiny? Yeah. So for this decision to uh, come into effect, there is a long process because it will require a constitutional amendment. So the government will have, the parliament have, will have to pass bills amending Article 15 and Article 16. Correct. Right. And because it is constitutional amendment, uh, they will have to get two-thirds majority in both the houses as well as half the state's legislative assemblies will have to pass the bill. Correct. So, so just that to... itself is a very long process and then it will go to the court. Somebody mm. will obviously object and then the case will go to the court. Mm. And then what court says, you know, then that decision can come into effect. So it is a very long process and four months I don't think are enough for this at all. So uh, just uh, to there, give some... So therefore the you know, only uh, conclusion is that government is doing it, keeping the elections in mind. Mm -hmm. So, one wonders why they probably are. So, it is said that they lost Madhya Pradesh elections because uh, BJP was supposed to be uh, unemployment. ACSD Prevention of Atrocities Act. Okay. That that was one of the factors, is what people say. Mm -hmm. And BJP probably has bought into it. And now, therefore, they would feel the need to appease the upper class. Correct. So, yeah. So, it's difficult for other parties also to op oppose it because they don't want to eliminate. Upper caste. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to alienate any particular section, right? Because mm -hmm. every section is important in politics. I just want to read out the section that might require amendment for the government to bring in such a change. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, particularly 15.4 and 16.4. Correct. 15.4 yeah. states, nothing in this article or in clause 2 of article 29 shall prevent the state from making any pr uh, special provision for the advancement of any socially and educationally backward classes of citizens or for the schedule castes and the scheduled tribes. This is where it becomes really interesting, right? When they are saying yeah. economically backward, how do we define economically backward? Yeah, and the section says that educationally and socially backward. So there is and, there is no or. So Correct. both the criteria have to be there. They have to be socially backward as well as educationally backward. So the government plans to introduce the amendment saying or economically backward. So then uh, so they don't, the group does not have to be socially or educationally backward. So right. I also so wanted that, to ask, huh, huh. why is it necessary or rather when we think about socially and economically backward, we take caste as sort of place where we can, where we can begin with because it's a good indicator of or it's a good definer, if I can put it that way, of socially and educational backwardness. But when we talk about economic backwardness, do you how do we define backwardness first? And the basis or the criteria which the government is coming up with for economic backwardness is that they have said that the income per year would be 8 lakh or less. Or if people yeah. own up to 5 acres of land or if they have residential home in smaller than 1000 square feet or it's if it's located in a plot of 109 yards in a notified area or 200 yards in a non-notified area. But how will this impact, will it actually reach the people that it should be reaching? What is the problem with this 10% reservation for the general category? The basic problem is how, how do you define 
such a class so the reservation is supposed to be for a social group right so it it here when you say that economically backward so what what group are you talking about because uh, economic backwardness is present in each social group right correct so then how, how do you you know isolate this specific group then how do you define it that that is that will be the major problem with this amendment first of all so before the government actually brings in the amendment they will have to define what this class is and how they are going to come yeah. up with this which is yeah, probably yeah. why they have defined it as people whose income per year is 8 lakh or less but i mean problem here is ki a social class you know it has some history you know it has some uh, common characteristics that if you take scheduled castes they have a history of untouchability hmm. you know and all the other impediments all the other Uh, rights that were denied to them historically over generations you know correct for for scheduled tribes the criteria that you know they are isolated they are away from the so called mainstream civilization hmm. uh, their their culture is different so those are the criteria so and those are historical criteria right correct for other backward classes it's their educational backwardness or social backwardness you know they are lower in the caste hierarchy mm-hmm. uh, and then they also face discrimination from castes which are above them mm-hmm. upper caste mm-hmm. so these are this criteria are not something that changes you know year to year or decade to decade right correct correct and, they have a long history of centuries okay right hmm. so so that is the key thing here if you talk about money income economic uh, economic backwardness land these things can change within a year hmm. you know or within a decade true and that is very individualistic you know here these things you know pertain to a family or an individual hmm. right hmm. correct they, they are not about a social group as such and also the constitution doesn't allow this and before i come to the indra sahani judgment i want to bring in amrita on this i want to get amrita's thoughts amrita what do you think about this 10% reservation will it work does it do justice will the most vulnerable actually get what the government is aiming for right so i feel there are two things to it uh, you know uh, number one it was a panic decision you know uh, in the backdrop of the recent results and everything and number two the government is not serious about it had they been serious about it they would have brought it uh, you know a year ago so the very fact that they're bringing it just you know four months before the poll knowing pretty well that it won't go through so you know in the next couple of months i mean but is, they will still be able to use it to lure people to vote for them yes. saying that this so is the carrot which we are going to we are going to get so yeah so it's it, that shows that they are not serious about it you know it's just a political gimmick and uh, i i particularly feel also that uh, you know uh, this will be very difficult to actually uh, you know implement it because you see the other reservation you see obc you see the whole creamy layer issue uh, the actual beneficiaries often miss out on mm. on the reservation benefits mm. while uh, those who do not deserve the reservation benefits you know who are 
they end up getting it so i think it will be you know we have seen it in the past that how difficult it has been to implement such reservations and and to actually make sure that the reservation uh, benefits reach to those who actually deserve it mm. so so it is going to be a very difficult thing to implement but as of now yes it can definitely lure uh, voters okay aish you were saying something i think <clears throat> even though uh this decision or the bill does not uh, stand in the parliament on the jud- or the judiciary i think it has served its political purpose in terms of now he can play the card that look here here i was trying to do something for the general category and the legislature then he'll be in the congress saying ki mm. they didn't let it pass or as we saw for sabrimala it will turn out to be some fringe groups taking on the courts saying either they didn't let it pass or the other parties so in the political objective of it as already established and has played out in 24 hours after this uh, news broke mm. but uh, i definitely think it's a panic as amrita said because definitely just before the elections if you are trying to throw away a sop that requires you to amend the constitution is not just any other sop it's a major I mean, I, card that you're I playing i sort of disagree that it might be panic because it is coming after the polls in the three states where they lost so i think the bjp has seen that the reason for their loss in the three states is because they have lo- lost the voters from these particular categories which is uh the sort of the upper caste so to put which is the general category so now it's a very th- uh, well thought out decision how they should not be losing out on this vote bank in the general elections so in a way that's kind of their panicky about it <laughs> okay yeah but they are, i mean it, yes they just go for it yeah yeah so one interesting thing you know about this decision is that ki how the discussion is playing out right now so so far upper caste were opposed to reservation in principle they used to say that you know it goes against the idea of merit hmm. uh, people you know don't even don't have to put in efforts they don't have to work hard to get a seat or you know to get a job right but right now it seems like all of them are supporting this decision so there is this you know immediate turn that we are seeing like just yesterday they were opposed to reservations in principle correct you know and now they are making all the convenient excuses so that is very interesting like, you know it gives you know uh, it it generates it it has engendered a new discussion hmm. about hmm. reservations i just hope that it opens their minds to the idea of reservation itself correct why it is necessary no i you know, that that is interesting for me yeah. uh, i also think that the voters are uh, smart you know uh, and they should see through it they should see the lack of uh, you know seriousness into the whole thing because if they were serious about it hmm. they had so many years to do it why are they doing it just now 4 months before the election so i think the voters are smart okay yeah that is so that is true and one decision cannot like change the voters mind that's right I mean, we we tend to think that you know this one thing can uh make people pro bjp but that is not going to happen because people look at things holistically and there are so many other things in a person's life that will decide who they vote for right uh your i mean before we move from this topic i just want to quote some bits from the indra sahani judgment uh where the court based on the discussions uh speeches of dr ambedkar and shri 
K.M. Munshi, they had come up with what is actually social backwardness and why is there this debate of economic backwardness not being the sole criteria of reservations, right? When we are talking about the idea of reservation, why it is important to take into account the social and educational backwardness. So in the Indra Sawani judgment, the court had said in the majority opinion, they had said that the class of citizens uh, not adequately represented in the services under the state, if they had just said that, it would have been very vague because how do we define a class of citizens? Which is why the uh, judgment added, the majority opinion said that the class of citizens meant only those classes of citizens who were not represented on account of their social backwardness. As for economic backwardness, uh, there was a question which said whether the backward classes can be identified only and exclusively with reference to economic criterion. And they said that following the discussion under this question, the backward classes cannot be determined only and exclusively with reference to economic criterion. It may be considered on the basis along with and in addition to social backwardness, but it can never be the sole criterion. And this this is the reason why there is this conversation about how this economic backwardness criteria for reservation can be against the constitution. Is there anything else the panel wants to add about this reservation, if there are any thoughts you guys want to share? Um, I think uh, if it if this thing goes through, it, the dangerous precedent it will set is that um, in a society where the economic order is, you know, works such that there is hardly any incentive for individuals to create wealth and for the government to create opportunities, this will be the incentive for voters and the electorate to bargain their bit of the economic pie because it will set a precedent of them thinking that reservation is the way out. But I think the I think Pratap Bhanu Mehta wrote in today's Indian Express column that they, below this decision to give them the reservation, it's an acknowledgement of the failure of the Indian state to not do enough when it comes to creating wealth and creating job opportunities. Creating job opportunities. Yeah, I right. agree. I completely agree. Yeah, that is true. Like, I just hope that people now start questioning government what they are doing about jobs. Correct. If you, even if you want to be reservations, hmm. where are the jobs? That, that is a big question that I hope people raise. Hmm. Tejas, I also wanted to get your thoughts on how do you think media has been covering caste or caste-related atrocities? Do you think media is fair when it comes to the coverage? Do you think there's more attention paid to a certain coverage uh, when it is about a particular caste or community? Yeah, it depends. I mean, some cases get attention hmm. uh, if, if they are... You know, if the incident happens in a city, it's likely to get more attention. If or if media thinks that that incident is something that they can uh, that will give them fix, hmm. then they do it. A lot of cases go unnoticed. Certain cases, you know, slip through and then they get media attention. But then again, the focus is on the victim. Like hmm. if that person is, you know, from Dalit community or from nomadic tribe. That that will get a lot of attention, but they don't the the context around it, why these things happen so often, hmm. uh, and who the perpetrators are, and the follow up. You, where, what happens to these cases? Even if there is a case filed, hmm. what happens? Like why is the conviction rate so low? All of these things, you know, don't get reported on at all. Correct. And about caste in general, what now is happening is that uh, because uh, Dalit politics is 
I mean, it has managed to create a space for itself. They have been so assertive in last few decades. So now media has to take notice. But now what has happened is media is taking notice of it, but they are equating caste with Dalits. So the focus is on them, you know, it's, uh, but other castes get invisibilized. So it will be reported that, okay, Dalits are getting, you know, are historically oppressed. Hmm. They face discrimination hmm. and other uh, rights are denied to them, all of that. But who is doing it? What? Why is it, why is it happening? What hmm. is the context? How, hmm. how does caste system work uh, holistically and what we need to do to change it? Hmm. All of these things uh, nobody talks about. Correct. Also, there was a recently there was this is to the panel as well as to Tejas. I mean, there was recently a conversation about Manu Joseph writing the foreword for a book which was about trans men and the conversations about uh, people from the community writing about their community should be taking precedent. So Tejas, I beginning from you, I wanted to ask about one way to rectify the narrative about caste or how media reports on caste or Dalits or OBCs or SCSTs or any of the man- marginalized communities give, would be giving representation. Am I right in saying that? Or what do you think about this conversation about people from the community sort of being the torchbearers of the narrative rather than others talking about the issues that they are living with? Yeah, so... Um we need to see this in a context why uh, people from Marginalized communities are not there to talk for themselves. That is the first question. Right? Why why do only upper caste occupy all these spaces? Uh, why is that happening? So that is because of the historical context where you know they were denied education. They did not have means hmm. to acquire writing skills, or you know they did not have access to mainstream spaces. Mm-hmm. So those things, you know. One needs to understand those things. Correct. Yeah, so uh, that is the key thing here. One is uh, representation is important because only you can know about yourself the best. I mean, what if an expert is writing about another community? They've done enough research, they've done the legwork, they've spoken to multiple people. Hmm, That is true, but we don't see that, right? Like a lot of people who are mediocre, they still get to write, get to talk. And that, that also happened in the case of Manu Joseph, even though he was not qualified to write that foreword, that author herself, she was not qualified enough because she's done a lot of, she has written a lot of problematic things that we are pointing out now. But she got a book deal, Manu Joseph got to write a foreword, that, that it also is a problem, right? Hmm. Like even though there are people who are qualified, there are people who, you know, know a lot more about and those people are from the community itself. Even then, they don't get the space. Correct. But these people who you know only have privilege, they only, they have access, hmm. and that is the main reason that they get to write. I mean, that that is the main problem here. Correct. And you see that about caste also. Hmm. I mean, so I these are, these are the twin problems. Hmm. One hmm. is that people who are qualified and don't get the space. And another thing that is said is that people are not qualified, you know, there are not enough people from the community to write about these issues. Hmm. But then you have to ask you why, why is that and how we can rectify it. Correct. You know, hmm. that is important, right? If you hmm. feel that there are not enough qualified people, hmm. that is because of the historical context. Hmm. And then it is your responsibility as people with privilege 
to find ways to rectify what about the yeah. panel what yeah, do you guys i i particularly feel that uh, uh, you know you're right in saying that uh, caste uh, is not covered uh, properly by the media you know hmm. uh, and i think uh, you know a lot of the upper caste writers when they write about say uh, the scsts or the dalits you know uh, there's a kind of privilege that is very visible in their writing so i particularly feel that uh, there should be more of um, you know sensitization of the media that way that how exactly to report on caste mm-hmm. and and dalits i think you touch upon a very interesting debate i think within the academia as well which stages would know about and in journalism too which is the debate surrounding lived experience of whether mm. those who have had the experience of going through prejudice sure. and uh, social tyranny should be the ones who should be talking mm. about it i i think uh, the idea of representation is a good way to i mean rectify that problem put yeah. it as that because for example when the bharat band happened in the april mm. by the sc nst communities most of the media houses just simply reported that as violence when it was not just violence it was it was a you know message a social message that they were trying to put mm. put across but had they just had some people in the someone newsrooms who given the historical me- background right. that is where sensitization mm-hmm. of the media also comes exactly. in correct picture you know. that I mean, would have taken care of that yeah. i think true representation and diversity in the newsrooms would help in the conversation or the narrative that the media builds and i think tejas is right in saying that we need to look at why the someone else taking the narrative forward what is the reason for lack of these voices but i think yeah maybe that is but i won't want to comment on the book because i haven't read it uh moving on from this topic amrita uh i also wanted to discuss of the government's there was a story that you did so first could you tell us a bit about your story and also the anb minister responded to the story saying that it was misinformation and the government isn't doing what the story is claiming so could you tell us a little bit about that yeah so uh, the story that we did was about a tender floated by the press information bureau that's the official communication arm of the government of india so they floated a tender saying that they are going to um, hire private agencies to monitor what is appearing in newspapers television online media platforms as well as social media mm-hmm. so uh, this is something this is an exhaustive media monitoring that the government is planning to do and the tender was floated just last month and they're going to uh, narrow it down pretty soon because mm-hmm. the last date is 6 february mm-hmm. So this is what we this reported on. This is separate on. from the media monitoring hub. So yeah, go- I'll explain to you. Under the INB Ministry, there is a, there is a body called the New Media, New media Wing, Wing, which which monitors, which is actually which looks after the social media okay. hub. You know the the controversial tender which was scrapped and all that. That was for the New Media Hub. Hmm. Uh, so New Media Wing. Uh, so uh, they were already looking. You know this tender was scrapped by the former INB minister, that's Smriti Irani. Mm-hmm. uh but after it was scrapped they did not have any agencies to do it so they floated a tender and they put all those contentious languages over there which is why it was scrapped and the tender Correct. has been floated again with a 
a much more sanitized tender i would say so uh, that is something that the new media wing has always been doing they have always been monitoring web mm. similarly there is another body under the inb ministry that's called the emmc the electronic media monitoring center which monitors the television, television channels. channels yeah so they were already doing it okay yeah. so when they are monitoring and when they are making reports on that they could pretty much share that with the pib yeah. they do not need to hire a separate agencies you know separate four different agencies for monitoring the media mm. you know it's it's not just a, a duplication of work it's a duplication of effort money everything else you know mm. so they were doing it but possibly they were not doing it uh, you know as exhaustively they were only looking at certain contentious issues and sending reports mm. about that uh, to certain people in the government um, you know who are, who are in the position of power so what was the objection of uh, rajyavardhan rathore yeah so the inb minister in a in a very new uh, format uh, yeah a video he, where he's walking with a very nice landscape view i was yeah, like yeah. okay I, interesting yeah yeah i shaker gupta how are you doing your print has written a story today something about minister of information broadcasting snooping so he kind of said that we had reported mm-hmm. that the agencies that would be hired by pib would be snooping mm-hmm. whereas we never said that you know we never for one said that uh, the agencies would be snooping because anything that's out on media cannot be snooped but yes if they're monitored and watched carefully it can help the government get a narrative of what is happening you know and mm. and that can help them design their communication strategy before the elections so uh, so that was it we he said that we were snooping then he said we are calling it a breaking news but i think we all would agree that in media parlance you know anything that we report first is we call it breaking now supreme court has um, for instance said that uh, has reinstated alok verma right mm. now so it is a breaking <laughs> you know so we are breaking it to our readers mm. right so yeah he had objected to that and of course he has also objected to something saying that this is not something new mm. uh, a tender already existed uh, you know the pib was already doing it and uh, we are just recontracting it mm. but the what pib was earlier doing was only monitoring the print media that right. is they were only they had outsourced the job of getting the press uh, you know the clippings mm. for that they were not monitoring television online media and social media so this is a huge increase in the scope Correct. of work which is why they had to float a new tender and i mean there are three interesting things that come out from this conversation one is another thing that rathor mentions in his video is that what the government is doing this yeah. uh, sort of going through social media going through television channels yeah. is to sort of get a feedback as to where the government is going wrong and what the government can do to do better so i mean if the government wants feedback there mm-hmm. are public consultations you have representatives local representatives to get feedback from and if this is your sort of way to get feedback it is not going to reach the people who are most affected because so feedback could be both positive and negative right yeah. but the, if you look at the tender if you read the tender mm-hmm. the language specifically mentions negative news coverage of the pmo ministry of defense mha uh, hrd ministry of industries and commerce so this top 6 ministries and the pmo correct any kind of negative coverage on that so you know it's not just feedback because feedback has to be you know positive as well as negative mm. why the focus on negative then mm. i should add that saying that they want to find out what's going wrong and they want to fix that sounds very sinister because it depends on what they think 
is going wrong what they what their perception perception is of what mm-hmm. is wrong mm-hmm. for example mr uh, the respectable inb minister tweeted out that the abb news was out to get him when abb reporter reached the village mm-hmm. and found out that the woman who had claimed that her salary had doubled was actually tutored by delhi officials 3 mm. months ago and he tweeted that you no know, it's uh, the liberal media's agenda to get the prime minister and then they sent the reporter again to confirm after his claims mm. and it turned out to be true what ebp has reported so if that's the ne- negative coverage they are trying to stifle then what that's not negative coverage that's actually real journalism which okay. is at stake here uh, tejas uh, i want to bring you in here what do you think about this latest development about uh the government's monitoring of the media yeah so the, if if they want to take feedback the important thing about feedback is that the person or individuals you are taking feedback from you need their consent for it you can't do it like you know it can't be one sided you know the people whom you are monitoring for feedback reports hmm. they need to know that you know this is happening hmm. and they have the consent to give hmm. their feedback and that is why public consultations are there correct so that that process is transparent hmm. this feels sinister because it feels like i i read this scroll report which said that government is planning to uh, profile people you know by linking all their accounts together like hmm. monitoring them on say like facebook twitter youtube instagram and then like creating hmm. a holistic profile of that person correct and this seems geared towards the elections hmm. uh, they probably you know want to see uh, what constituency is against the government and then hmm. what kind of messages that they can target hmm. to convert them to their side i that mean seems hmm. uh, to be the plan also here i mean connecting with what the panel connecting all the uh, comments that the panel is uh, making i want to say that there's a line between the government getting feedback and the political party in power using this feedback for electoral gains so this distinction has to be drawn if it is the latter then it is a concern because if one political party is using the taxpayers money or the taxpayers responses even though on the public in the public domain to convince them without their active knowledge without their conscious knowledge for uh, to vote for a particular party it raises a lot of questions so uh, yes, if you true, yeah. yeah if you look at us yeah. also you know you look at us uh, they did the same thing right so uh, i mean that time trump wasn't in power he did he, yeah he wasn't in power but even now if, if what the government is doing is effectively done in many places and you know uh, you cannot really uh, differentiate between the government in power and the party that's controlling it so anything that the government gets especially negative news coverage will invariably be shared Which with the party this is why it becomes so tricky yeah uh, and see and the inb minister the uh, you know the, the video he made he made it for the masses because hmm. that is what click instead of sending an in a rejoinder or something hmm. but he he directly communicated to the masses and that is what this government has been doing hmm. from hmm. the beginning i mean that's that's exactly his job but then you know this is what the government is doing they are trying to communicate to reach the masses directly and the video was probably an example of that aish oh just to i mean we should for our listeners hmm. just to pro- probably an attempt to feel how, make it feel how personal this can get amrita 
जस्ट क्वेश्चन सो कैन द गवर्नमेंट रीड आ व्हाट्सएप मैसेजेस बिकॉज ऑफ दीज ऑर्डर्स नो सो अदर टू डिफरेंट थिंग्स टू इट वन दैट आई जस्ट रिपोर्टेड अबाउट इज अबाउट मीडिया मॉनिटरिंग समथिंग दैट इज आउट ऑन मीडिया सो विच इज द पब्लिक डोमेन विच इज इन द पब्लिक डोमेन यू नो बट यू नो एनालाइजिंग इट स्क्रूटिनाइजिंग इट मेकिंग रिपोर्ट्स ऑन इट दैट इज वॉट आई रिपोर्टेड अबाउट बट वॉट यू आर रेफरिंग टू इज स्नूपिंग you know and that is something that uh, you know different agencies have been convincing uh, you know this various uh, platforms um, to to kind of decrypt the data and kind of provide them so that yes that is a problem you know if if that I mean, happens in december the government did give order that the that ten agencies would exactly. be able to yes. do that yes. but what you are referring to was a tender floated earlier mm. where uh, the tender was about decrypting as well but that tender was scrapped yeah so there's a difference between the open source data and the closed uh, data okay. because emails whatsapp those are not open so those are between me and you for example uh, so yes any kind of monitoring that will amount to snooping which uh, you know these agencies i doubt would be able to do you know they can only be done by the agencies and and the mha but right. uh, but as far as uh, monitoring of uh, closed uh, open source data is um, you know what you post on facebook what you post on twitter you know monitoring them you know on the basis of that creating your profile identifying that what kind of you know journalist are you you know what is your uh, you know which way you think and and that using will... that data in some way or the other and 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 the negative news uh, so that will uh, you know Correct. make a difference i mean it just sort of makes you feel uncomfortable at least yeah yeah so you know there are like two aspects it can be like you know this one unethical but you know harmless bit where government can send you messages and emails which i'm sure all of us have received in last no two three years swachh bharat abhiyan they can target people also you know they can decide to target few individuals who they feel are you know hmm. they don't like hmm, hmm. you know so that is the more sinister aspect of this um so how many uh, amrit how many agencies are monitoring us at this particular time uh i would not say um uh, journalist yes we are of course <laughs> you know uh, what we write and uh, you know in whichever platform we write it mm. it is uh, it will be done and it is being done uh, okay. by the ministry but aside that uh, you know the the intelligence agencies and uh, others they can of course uh, they can monitor whoever they want to but you have to be that important for that correct yeah Um, then they won't monitor us i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything else that the panel wants to add uh no in general i also feel uh this should not deter us in any way because uh, also you have been covering the inb ministry for yeah. a while i yeah. wanted to ask what ha- have you noticed any changes from smriti irani to rajyavardhan rathor um i would say that um information is more secure uh, with the new minister what do you mean in the sense uh, in um, when smriti irani was inb minister she was kind of controversial so when there are a lot of controversies uh, you know there tends to be uh, more information being leaked out hmm. but uh, in that way uh, this minister is not he has avoided controversies uh, of any sort hmm. and as a result uh, you know he's made the uh, 
be it less relevant that way but okay. of course you know when you do things like this it obviously tends to gain relevance yeah aish you want to ask something no i mean that sounds like he has been better only for himself or i mean i am presuming that that's the job of the inv minister by the way yeah. <laughs> he's good at his job in that yeah, i mean if if he was blundering the way smriti rani was going around yes. blundering that would be much more accountable i think yeah smriti rani made the job easier for journalists by you know effing around with her job so much Okay. Yeah. So with that we come to the end of the podcast and before we close we love to ask the panel one recommendation any book any topic that they think or a piece that they have read or any podcast that they want our listeners to listen to which would give them a little more context it necessarily doesn't have to relate to the discussion but it would be great if you want to recommend something that will just help the readers understand more Amrita if you want to go first So uh, I would say um New York Times have been doing a lot of good articles on uh, Facebook and uh, you know WhatsApp I think the readers should like really read that to get an understanding of how exactly these platforms can be manipulated and uh, can be you know their data can be used for whatever purpose uh, the government in power wants to do with you know whether it's the Indian government whether it's the US government just how vulnerable data in the public domain can yeah, make how, you yeah how how vulnerable it is and uh, you know how you are you know it's it's very easy you search something on youtube and the next very day you'll start you keep getting ads on the same mm. that that shows how how you know how everything that you do online you know mm. you have a, you have to pay a price for that and it's not just the private companies or it's not just the corporates the government can use the this the government data. can use it uh, for for not for any other purpose uh, but uh, for manipulation but also um for voter manipulation and also if the government has to get even with someone uh, tejas is there a recommendation that you would like to share oh uh, yeah since we are talking about reservation again i guess um, it will be good uh, if people read uh, this paper by sukhdev thorat where he talks about like he basically you know takes a takes all the arguments that not against reservation and then answers uh, hmm. so he breaks down the whole topic one by one okay. it's a very interesting paper if one un- wants to understand uh, reservations holistically i would actually love to read that now yeah, ayush what's was, your was, an economic and political weekly yeah. old paper no okay. it, it i think it came out I just last year tejas yeah yeah i think that was my one of my recommendations too i think it came out last year right where he put a lot of data There from the last year also there is an older paper as well because right. uh, thorad is writing about reservations for many years now okay so if one if one reads like all of his works i recommend uh, his writings uh, so what on caste as well as economics so if you want to understand caste and reservation dear listener read thorad aish um one would be a piece that scrolled it on how this one particular f- uh, police officer in telangana hmm. is trying to curb uh, the what the fake news on fake whatsapp news. using local traditions i think that was an excellent piece uh second would be a podcast i think amit verma seen and unseen the latest episode with shashi tharoor on the on tharoor's book on modi i think it was pretty good okay. very enlightening uh-huh. i want to recommend 
another scroll piece. It's by Shruti Sagar Yamanan. Uh, How Modi's 10% quota for poor upper caste violates Supreme Court orders on reservation. He really breaks down how uh, the Indra Sani judgment and how the Supreme Court has clarified what can be used as a criteria for reservation and why it should be used. So it was an interesting read. Before we go away, I do want to ask our listeners to resolve and to pay for independent media. Because only with your support can we all survive and sustain ourselves. And only with your support, media can remain free and independent. Because when the public pays, the public is served. When corporations, governments and advertisers pay, they are served. So subscribe to News Laundry or any other independent news organization of your choice. Happy subscribing. Thank you, Parikshit. Thank you, panel. Thank you, Anil Ji. Thank you. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.